0: I'm Camille Joy, the host of the Moments of Joy podcast. This podcast is dedicated to super moms that don't always feel so super, trauma victims that need an example of how God can bring you through, and for those of you that are looking for a little joy. Welcome to the show.
1: I need the joy, the joy of the Lord in my heart. I need to make an exchange for mm, my day. Start letting your light shine, light shine, all through my life, my, my heart is open and I am ready to receive your joy.
0: Hey MVPs, welcome back to another episode of the Moments of Joy podcast. I am so excited as I am every week that you've taken the time out of your day to come in and check to come in and check with the Moments of Joy podcast. If this is your first time chiming into the show, go back in the archives and listen in to all the amazing shows that we've had and the amazing guests that we have. If you like this episode and every other episode that you listen to, I need you to do me a favor. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rate and review. Those are very important to the show. It helps people like you to be able to find us in the midst of all the podcasts that are out there. So no matter how many times um, you, you can do it over and over again, not just one time, but if you really like an episode, leave us an, a comment on it on the Apple podcast review. I'm so excited to have um, my special guest with us today. Her name is Jessica Love. Jessica is a gospel recording artist. But what made me fall in love with her is that she is a special needs mom. Her heart is so um, pure, and it, it is directed towards the mommy, the special needs mom. She's a, an influencer. She is a prophetic voice, and she is a blogger. You can reach her on Instagram at Jessica Love Burnside, but she's amazing, and we're not going to delay any longer. We're going to get into her episode right now enjoy jessica love i am so excited to have with us on the moments of joy podcast jessica love welcome
2: jessica hello 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 hi i'm so glad to be here and i can't wait um for us to find out who we're supposed to reach today and reach yes. them yeah yes.
0: thank you now i found out about Jessica and who she was from Clubhouse I have been talking about Clubhouse on this podcast forever so y'all need to get in there she is an amazing voice that is rising and really uh you know one of the ones on Clubhouse that have been impactful to me especially so follow her we'll get into that later
2: but (laughs) yes
0: Jessica would you tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do right now
2: Yeah. So everyone, my name is Jessica Love. Um I am a worship leader uh, as well as a minister. And God has just really been kind enough to bless me to go all around ministering to people through music, through prophecy, through the word of knowledge, as well as prayer. And I do help um, a lot of major ministries around the world just reach people as well um, in a in a in a business that I own. I also am an advocate for uh, special needs mothers. Um, I have a son, probably will get into that later with um, a lot of medical conditions and special needs. He's been fighting for his life for a long time. And I am just here to fight for the underdog. Even if you don't have special needs children, I just have a heart for people and pulling the purpose out of them and help leading them to what God has for them. Because I know I don't deserve not a thing I have. And if God can do it for me, then I believe he can do it for anyone.
0: Absolutely. Um, you talked a little bit about, um, being a worship leader, a prophetic voice and a minister. Um, how was that? The question I usually ask is what is the why behind your brand? But I feel yeah. like how, how did you even stumble into that and in, and finally say yes, because that's, yeah. that's something you have to, to answer the call to.
2: Well, I honestly did not like grow up in a super churchy setting. I grew up, you know, we went to Catholic school, but we didn't really go to church that often. And, uh, I think I got lured with a donut to youth group in like high school (laughs) and, um, ended up going to life group, ended up going to church with my friend Rhoda. And it was there that I got saved Um, I think I was about 16 or 17 years old. And when I got saved, everything kind of happened immediately for me. So Mm -hmm. I was praying in the spirit, I was prophesying and I began to sing. I actually wasn't a singer, um, really until I got saved. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
2: um, at that time, I honestly didn't know what else to do, but to give up everything and, and follow Christ. It's a little different when you don't grow up in the church. Yeah. Um, You grow up doing everything else and focusing on everything else. And so I was in track. I was in drama club. I might've like been in school choir, all this stuff. And I kind of like dropped everything and started going to church like a crazy person. And my mother thought I was in a cult. So she (laughs) came to save me from the cult and then she got saved and we got baptized together. Um, Saying yes to the call has been hard for me because I do have major opportunities outside of the Christian arena that are more lucrative and more fun. Mm. And so for me, the yes has been a battle. I have not always been obedient to it. I have run away. Um, And God has used supernatural encounters to pull me back into ministry. I'm in ministry because I love people. And I believe that if if I didn't reach people, that I would die.
0: Like Mm -hmm. not
2: physically, but like on the inside, I would die. But as far as career wise, like, you know, um, had a lot of crazy church scandals happen when I was younger, not with myself, but just with leaders kind of turned me off from church, stopped going. Mm -hmm. And I actually got into the corporate world. I was in sports marketing. I worked for the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Blackhawks, NASCAR, a lot of really fancy fun jobs at a very young age in my super Hmm. early 20s and i wanted to stay there honey i was not i was i was hobnobbing with nba players and national sales managers of companies and Mm -hmm. dating these rich guys and i was living my life um but i remember Uh. every night coming home and bawling my eyes out and knowing that there was something more but i felt like i didn't want to do ministry because i felt like i couldn't measure up to what a minister needed to be um, I struggled with, um, uh, you know, premarital sex. It's not like I was out here, just out here. But if I had a boyfriend, I would struggle to hold that down, uh, for, you know, a long period of time sometimes. And I just felt like, I love God. I love people, but I'm afraid that I'll mess it up. So I'd rather yeah. do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thought. That is a real thought. And that is a real reality for many young people. I'm so glad that you touched on that. Um, who, who love God, right. Who makes sense. They have a calling and who, who just are not perfect. And so they may be dating and may end up having sex. You know, I recently heard someone say, oh, well, if you give it up before marriage, nobody's going to want to marry you. I'm like, well, that's a lie. The Everyone's devil's a married liar.
2: And most, yeah, and unfortunately, most people have. And I think for me, if we're going to go to the sex topic, I think for me, um, being able to abstain for a long period of time now, and even before I had my son, I had abstained for quite a few years, at least mm-hmm. maybe two or three years. But I feel like that's only found in more so identity like it's Mm. not like when people tell you you need to not have sex for God and then you have sex and God is still God
1: and you're still alive
2: and you're still anointed and I started realizing that we put all this pressure on ourselves to not sin for God God is going to be God whether I sin or not he doesn't need me he wants me and he loves me and he wants the best for me having sex outside of marriage and doing all these things that I've done in life based off of trauma have wrecked my own life, have brought me sadness and pain that I, and things that I have now fight through that I never should have had to fight for. So I think, um, we just got to change the narrative. And if we really started pouring into people to where they realized who they were and what didn't, okay, this is what I want. So having sex outside of marriage does not fit inside of who I want to be and what I believe God has for me. It's a value issue, not a sin issue in my personal opinion.
0: That's it. Come on. You're preaching. You're preaching right. You're preaching right. And I know that set some, some woman, some young lady free for real. Um, and so, um, how did your journey to getting pregnant with your son and his birth come about?
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, way longer of a story than we could ever tell on here. But what I will say, um, is that I come out of, living really not for god so when i was working in the secular industry i loved god i would literally ball cry every night and be like god i know there's something you have for me to do but i don't know how to do it i don't know how to be it Mm -hmm. but because of the industry that i was in i was pulled and so every night um every night we would uh mom stuff it's okay the phone went off it's okay (laughs) we mamas
0: never going off
2: Um, no, but, uh, so I can start that over. Um, so basically in, in my, in, in the industries and the jobs that I was in, um, I was, it was not an environment that was conducive to living for the Lord. Mm. So um, all of my boss, all my coworkers like, you know, we would go out every night, we would work super hard. It wasn't like we were like sleeping around doing all this like crazy, crazy stuff, but it just, it was so busy and so full and so fun Mm -hmm. uh, that there was no room to really pursue God. And so I remember like I would come home super late and I would sit at the edge of my bed and I would cry. Wow. And I just look in the mirror and I would, and I was, I mean, at that time I I was, I was small because I barely would eat because I had to fit in with these, um, beautiful, you know, white girls that I was working with that were all size two. And I was still at eight, not eating. I was still at eight, 10 child starving myself. Mm -hmm. So I remember I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't eat breakfast. I would eat a salad for lunch. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't eat dinner, but we would always go somewhere and drink wine or whatever. So it was like, wine was my dinner. Mm -hmm. So I remember, um, I would come home and I was beautiful and, and, and people wanted to be me and all, everybody wanted to be around me because they could get free tickets to all the games and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I looked in the mirror and I just, I didn't know. I was like, who, what, what? So I would, I would ball crying and say, God, I know, I know that you're calling me to do something. I don't know what it is. So what happened is I had, um, quit and moved home because I knew I needed to like be home because if I was living like by myself, I would just be open to having, I used to have like get togethers all the time. My friends would come over. We would drink. I mean, we were like having so much fun. Right. Right. But it just wasn't me. It wasn't bad. We weren't like living crazy. Right. You just know when you're called to a little bit of a higher call and you're not meant to be getting drunk every mm-hmm. other night and having Beyonce dance offs with your friends. Like that is not what I was <laughs> supposed to be doing. It was great. It was fun, but it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I moved home. Um, did you live in and, Chicago? Um, so I I'm from the Chicagoland area, but home was, um, in the suburbs, okay. but I was in Chicago. I was living downtown in the city, loving it, loving it. Okay. So, um, actually moving home was the move to work for NASCAR, but then I started working for, uh, this Bible college and it had all these rules, like you couldn't drink. And so I was really trying to pull my life together, but I was honestly doing it in my own strength. I just wanted to be better. I just wanted to do better. So... I, uh my boyfriend, I ended up starting to date a guy. I started going to this church, started dating this guy, awesome guy, not with him to this day, but he is phenomenal. And he introduced me to one of the number one producers in gospel music. His name is Jamel Kimbrough. He has tons of number one hits. He's Todd Delaney, uh Brianna, everybody's producer. So he introduces me to Jamel, and we just play around and I make a song. He gets Todd to hear the song and he gets Todd to sing on the song, and then we release this song and it goes starts just going up the billboard charts
1: Mm. and i
2: started getting booked and touring and traveling so much that i could leave my job and do this full time
1: Mm. now i will be
2: honest with you i had a older friend a girlfriend at the time who also wanted to be a singer and the prophetic in her told her to tell me i know everything's happening for you but i think you should wait
1: Mm. i know
2: everything's happening. And I know you've stopped doing all these things. Like the guy that I was with before, I broke up with him because we were having sex. I didn't want to. So I had done all these things and I thought, I'm like, but I'm living right. Like, like, why are you trying to punch? Like, Like, why are you trying to punch me for my past? Like, that was a few Mm. years ago. Like, that was like, but I guess she had seen something that I did not see,
1: Mm. but
2: I didn't listen because I didn't get it. I'm like, I'm not having sex. I'm not drinking anymore. Like what? Right. So, but I think what she could see is that I was doing things in my own strength and there was just more of a journey and God wanted to quiet me. And there were several attempts that God did to get me alone, to seclude me and to quiet me and opportunities kept pulling me out of the quiet place. and so um and that i can like name several interventions that were like come away and i don't think he was asking me to come away even for that long it probably was like a year but i just thought these opportunities were god so um i continued to minister my life became overwhelming i was working like a dog i was traveling city to city i was single i was alone um as a woman, I felt really raw because as a woman in the industry, when you don't have a husband, you don't feel protected. sometimes you don't know if a gig is a gig or a wow. I think you're hot, and I want you to come to my church um very scary, it was very trapping um and i just i i pulled a Jada to pink it. I just wanted to feel better I was overwhelmed so one night my um a ministry friend of mine actually um had to get together. you know we were all were drinking one thing led to another and, um, the father of my child and I, uh, you know, Seth came. Um, and so at that time I was supposed to go on tour with a really big artist. And a lot of people, even Christians were suggesting to me that I should probably get an abortion that for me, um, just wasn't an option. Um, just something right. that I just knew I couldn't personally live with not throwing judgment on anybody else,
1: right? but
2: God knows what you could bear. And that was something that would have probably, killed me Mm -hmm. if I would have done that Mm -hmm. um just because the way my mind works right um freedom in that for people who have done that there's freedom in that there's we got to get rid of that condemnation and move on but just wasn't um something that um I don't know I just didn't you know just just never considered it so anyway I um my son ends up coming at 22 weeks Mm. at that point a lot of people were saying well look you done good You took responsibility. You stepped down from your position. By the way, another church hired me pregnant. Mm. which is a whole other testimony of just God. Okay,
0: wait, pause. Before you go into your son, you mentioned something about your prophetic friend giving you an alarm. So can you touch really quick on the importance of the prophetic? I feel like I've mentioned before here on the show that my first time ever being prophesied to was 21. And it it was literally life-changing for me. Yeah. Um, so what is the importance of being prophetic as one who, who is
2: the, pred- folk, the mm-hmm. Yeah. The prophetic is a tough thing. Um, it's something that, although I flowed in, mm-hmm. um, I'm hesitant to speak and I always get rebuked for that even cause they're like, speak the Lord is speaking, but it is a sensitive topic. Um, it is a controversial topic, mm-hmm. especially in the church circles that I am in. It is not very popular. Yeah. um just because of my geographic location i am more so in the caucasian white church which mm-hmm. does not subscribe necessarily to the prophetic and all of the gifts Why? of the
1: spirit what?
2: saying that to say um this is my take on prophetic yeah. i mainly um flow in the prophetic with either people who do not know jesus at all Mm-hmm. or people who know god or have fallen away or are discouraged mm-hmm. um the word of god says it's for the edification exhortation and comfort yeah so if someone gives you a prophetic word and it leaves you feeling uncomfortable if it leaves yeah. you feeling uh, scared in a bad way yeah. icky your stomach hurts it doesn't sit right with you you're a little bit confused I would usually lean to saying that that may not be a word from God, but I cannot definitively speak on it. Mm -hmm. Here's the tough part when it comes to the things of God with Jesus and religion and Christianity, it is something that we all agree is real and we have experienced, but we can't really all agree on exactly the same ideals, values, rules, And systems in which we carry things out. So sometimes I seem very hesitant when speaking about things, but it is because I don't understand how anyone who is not God themselves can be so sure about anything.
1: Yeah.
2: I can rely on my reading of the word, Mm -hmm. the teaching that I've gotten from my uh, elders and leaders and my own personal experiences. Right. But from someone who has been around the world, mm-hmm. your perspective is different because here in America, our very small, minute view of God, we will argue over stuff. Yeah. And when you go around the world and you see the vastness and the bigness and the intellect of God, you really realize how much of a speck we are Mm. and how I'm honored at what God has decided to reveal to me and how he has decided to use me, but I dare not go around bashing and assuming that my personal experience and level of knowledge is the end all be all because that would make me God. Yeah. So I use the prophetic and God is kind enough to reveal information, Uh which is called the word of knowledge about someone and I think that what makes it God is if it points to Jesus and if it yeah. points to the Father. Um, because anyone can have a spiritual gift in which they can read you. Right. Um, right. But I've seen people read people and not point them to Jesus, but they'll point them to their own bank account yeah, come or on. they'll point them yeah. to uh, yeah. something strange, mm-hmm. something like, like God never gives and then tries to take from right. you. Right when God gives, it says the blessings of God maketh rich and out of no sorrow. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't give you a word. And then like I, or I've had people give me a word and say, God is telling me, you need to do this for me. And I'm like, I don't know about that yes. personally,
1: yes, um, yes.
2: the prophetic, I believe is important, but it's not the end all be all. Yeah. And, uh, we've all prophesied wrong, you know, before in life, um, I'm not trying to be cocky, but I can't recall a time where someone was like, Hey, you were inaccurate
1: Mm -hmm. It's
2: probably happened. They just haven't told me, Um, but I've gotten words that were inaccurate. And I think that it's mostly important that we, our hope and our surety is in God. Um, the prophetic is a tool. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. But if your hope is even in a word and not in God himself, yeah. If by chance you've gotten a bad word or an off word, it can really wreck and ruin your life. And I've had that happen to me before where I got a series of prophetic words Mm -hmm. um, from several people that did not come true and it left me broken and confused and questioning God. And that is not what uh, the prophetic should do.
0: Yes, thank you so much because I know there are new believers listening and and as we, we skated over it a little bit, I know that they're probably like, what is that? <laughs> so I wanted to yeah. talk about it a little. All righty. So you, you gave birth to your son at 22 weeks. Yeah. 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 And so you were yeah. a NICU mama.
2: Yeah, I was a NICU mom. Um, that, and that's an understatement. We were in the hospital mm. uh, 15 months, uh-huh. but, um, and still we're in and out intermittently for different things. So basically to make the long story short, I'd been complaining for a long time. I'd been coming back and forth. They were not hearing me. They were not listening to me. They were not taking me seriously. Even the day I had them, had him, they sent me home. Mm -hmm. Um, his feet popped out of me in triage. He was a pound and I pushed him into a random doctor's hands, but I pushed a one pound 22. So 22 at that time was considered not viable, Mm. meaning even under a C-section safe, secure situation. They typically do not keep babies that are 22 weeks, four years ago. He's almost five five years ago. They didn't do that too often. Um, And if they did, it was a controlled situation. It was planned. The mother's on steroids before. Like, there's a whole lot that goes into trying to maybe see if you can keep a 22-week baby alive, but it wasn't a thing. Yeah, yeah. So in the way that I had him, like, even if he was 26 weeks, like, it was, like, nah, he going to, like, not. it just wasn't, and weeks matter. Like, a 22-week baby is is way different than even a 24 week baby right, 27, the, 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 right. yeah the percentage yes, of, of life are so vastly different so there's people that I'll like say like oh my kid was 22 weeks and I'll be like well, mine was 24 and I'll be like baby this is a different like yeah. he didn't have skin mm. like he like this was not normal right wow. so um I was screaming I was speaking in tongues praying in the spirit um when I pushed him out and um I just heard someone yell he's alive and they were they yelled it in shock. But when I heard that, it just took root in my spirit and I said, He is alive.
0: I oh, know, that's right.
2: And that is it. Mm. That's it. <laughs> mm. So, um, you know, they began to tell me that uh, he's definitely not going to live. He may live a few minutes. I'm leaving out so many miracles, like the fact that one of the top neonatologists was at the hospital at the time. He had been flown in to help another case. Um, I ended up transferring out and meeting that parent and they helped me with so it's it's a story of miracles including the doctors lied in my son's records for several months about how far along like they called him a 23 weeker Mm -hmm. just so they could get him transferred out and get him help because nobody wanted a 22 week baby um they totally went beyond uh practice in the first hospital they did some things that were not necessarily best practice but it was to actually save his life. So I don't look at them bad for some of the things that they did. Okay. Anyway, um, I was told every day he would die. I'm still told to this day that he, you know, may not have a quality of life or live long. He has a lot of medical issues. He has a lot of conditions. He has nursing. Like right now he's with his nurse. That's why I'm able to be on this live right now. We are in and out of hospitals. Many times you guys see me on live or you see me um, singing on stage. I have woken up, done my makeup in a hospital, pulled it together and come in to minister. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did take, I do want to be sure to know, let you guys know that I did take a few years off. Okay. So, all those times God was trying to quiet me, um, the situation with my son, because I was going to pop him out and get on tour, honey. I, my mom and retired. We were going to take the baby on tour. I was going to wow. nerd in between shows and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. But this kept, this shut me down. I couldn't do anything else. And it really was two years of sitting in the hospital um, by myself, reading the word of God and listening to the word of God. I didn't watch TV. I was fasting. And um, I went through several things. I went through disbelief, unbelief, atheism atheism for a short period of time. I went through everything I could have possibly went through. I've seen my son die and come back to life. I've seen his life undervalued. I've had medical malpractice due to, I believe, the color of our skin. There was a video of us that went viral, unfortunately, um, in the summer, it's not connected to my profile. People don't even know it's me, Um, but it was all over. I mean, millions and millions of views um, where the team did not respond immediately when my son coded and um, I went live. I don't know how I mustered up the ability and strength to do it, but I went live to threaten them basically to get moving and recess my son. And they did, um, but he's still having some lasting effects of being unconscious for the amount of time that he was. I'm really telling you stories in very short bits. Yeah. The point is, is that um, all of this has opened the door for me to be able to now pour into mothers who I found out even through looking at records and things and connecting to different moms that there were black children and white children, all with the same doctor that I had. And the black Mm -hmm. children had large heads like my son. If you go on my page, you'll see his head is large. And the white children were getting treatments that we weren't being offered. And the black children Mm -hmm. were dying and their mothers were being denied autopsies. And a lot of these women were young black and or on Medicaid. And so their voice heard. And now a lot of them are living with depression and brokenness and they have nowhere to go or nothing to do. So we're providing them therapy and we're helping them to find out who they are so that they can be used by God. I mean, can you imagine just, I
0: can't imagine.
2: Like, especially if you're not married and these women are asking questions and they're getting in trouble for asking questions. And that was me too. Like, you know, I'm a single mom and it was like, you ask a question, you're afraid, they come back at you. You're so afraid and you just want your kid to get care. And then there's another level of um, discrimination that happens for special needs parents in general, where you may be white, but you have a special needs child and and they're looking at you and you have a son that's autistic. So you can, um, when you want the best for your kid and you're asking questions and you're trying to make sure you have all the best options and they're looking at you like, well, what do you want?
0: My goodness.
2: He's alive. He's good. He's doing like, aren't you? Wow. What else do you want from us? You know, kind of thing. And you're like, yeah. I just want to know the options. I just want to see what's yes.
0: done. Yes. Like every other mother around the world. Wow. Yeah. Who would have I I would have never even thought about that perspective. You know? Wow. I mean, we know that um prejudice and discrimination occurs all over the world in different situations but I never even thought about the children no
2: when I um being that I have a flexibility in what I do where I never leave the hospital and my son Mm, is there right if I leave to go sing or do something my mother will come or his Mm -hmm. father will come he does not stay there alone but I would observe slow movement
1: mm.
2: and codings, especially in the NICU when it's all open. I would observe treatment when parents who weren't around, um, mm. I have now connected with so many women and, um, hearing their stories and it's real.
0: Yeah. I, I can relate to that. And I- there's,
2: Privilege. Yeah. And there's privilege yeah. even in being like, say I was married, I'd get treated better. So uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. They,
2: um, I get treated better than others because of the way that I speak. Right. Okay. So levels, I have privilege in my own right too. There's so many levels. Mm-hmm. So I was the committed, like nice black mom. Yeah. So I got a little bit better treatment, but there was yeah. still definite really bad situations like me taking my kid to the doctor every single day Mm. um, for several weeks because his head was getting bigger. And they told me, well, you have a big head. So his head's probably just big because your head's big.
0: You know what?
2: His head grew 10 centimeters in one month. Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. And they were telling me I was crazy. So a lot of stuff like that. That
0: is, that is the the drive and the strength of a mother to fight for her child. That is that strength that lies in all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know what you were saying about the hospitals to be true, because my son was born with congenital heart disease and he had heart surgery. And so we stayed at the Ronald McDonald's house and I said, okay, well, one night I'm just going to try it out. I'm going to go across the street and go to sleep. I left him there, and then that night he choked on medicine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I'm never leaving him again." Yeah. Like, how did how? And you're giving it to him through this little squeegee. Yeah. So, so you you saying that I can imagine, you yeah. know, what happened that that's a
2: parent's worst nightmare. So yeah, it, we committed because to that. you do want to sleep. And I remember um, at first, um, because everyone was like, "You're crazy. You need sleep." So, um, I would stay until maybe like three or four in the morning and then leave and come, come like six, but uh, a few days in, I remember I was going to leave one night and the lady said to me, if he dies tonight, do you want us to give him a bath before you get back? Or do you want us to call you and then you come help us give the bath? No. And I sat myself right back down and was like, okay.
0: Oh my goodness
2: not going anywhere
0: not going anywhere not with a question like
2: that being asked to me
0: wow yeah so jessica what has the journey been like um this far with taking care of how how old is he now
2: so seth is four he'll be five in july okay yeah it's been a lot of ups and downs um it's been him learning to do everything they said he would never do um as far as uh, breathing without a ventilator uh, learning to sit up uh, learning a few words eating but then um, there's been some you know things that have happened that have uh, wrecked that you um, got uh, him and my family got in a car accident last uh, Christmas season and that uh, really took a, a toll on Seth is in con- in, in conjunction with uh, some brain infections that occurred from some of the treatments that he was getting and it really set him back and he lost all of his skills last christmas season
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and now he's in the process of relearning everything you know again yeah. uh and with us that's you know us doing it because of coronavirus and everything we don't even you know have therapists and a lot of parents are without there a lot of special needs parents are without therapists but right. i could can say is that as a christian um I have had to get a lot of therapy
1: mm-hmm. and I
2: have had to come out of trying to control what the miracle looks like. Come so, on. I, I would asking God why he wasn't doing the miracle, not realizing the fact that the re- my son being alive itself was a miracle.
0: Yes. It
2: reminded me of something that happened when I was a little kid, where my grandmother gave me a dollar and my brother a quarter Mm -hmm. and I complained and complained and complained because the dollar was crushed up and dirty and ugly, and I wanted the shiny quarter, and they tried to explain to me that the quarter was of more value, but because it didn't look like it, I didn't want it, and I cried until they gave me the quarter, and God had showed me that I was still that little girl where I have the front seat to this miracle. While painful and broken and exhausted, I am at many times coping with seeing my son go through what he's gone through it has allowed me to help so many people. It has, um, opened up doors for me to reach people. And so he's mm-hmm. like, you have the front seat to the miracle, but you want your kid to be like everybody else's kids. You're worried about milestones
1: mm-hmm. when
2: I'm taking you miles around the world. Yes, And so I want to encourage everyone out here You and your kids do not have to measure up to what everybody else is doing. Don't jump on the bandwagon. Even you, sis, I'm looking at you right now. And I want to tell you that your child has a a purpose. And sometimes we think that purpose looks the way we plan it and when it goes off the plan we think God is abandoning us and he's not he's working out everything for the good of those that love him it just probably doesn't look the way you planned it out to look that's right don't let it break you hold on to your faith and trust God
0: amen thank you so much that was beautiful As we come to an end, Jessica, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Would you please let everyone know how they can find yeah. you and get in touch with you? If they, yeah. especially any special needs moms that want to reach yeah. out to you,
2: yeah. Um, so we're working um, with my son's nonprofit right now. We're building, but there's so much going on. So connect with me on Instagram. It's Jessica Love is again at Jessica, L-O-V-E, love is I-S, okay? My website is jessicaloveis.com. I am releasing some incredible music with that same producer, Jamel Kembro that I was talking about. I'm signing to... Um, a uh Christian record label that is going to help push this music and it's gonna go all over the world. I feel it, I know it, I believe it, and it's gonna help you. It's gonna hit you right where you need it to hit. Um, I have um a few songs out now that are older, but one of them is like a bop. So have you guys ever looked for that song that was like Christian, but still like had a little attitude? You could work out to the gym, but like you could still feel fierce. It's like Beyonce meets like Tasha Cobbs, but not. So uh called stronger so if you follow me on spotify jessica love you can connect with my music um but mostly instagram is the place where you're going to begin to see me unveil and release what i'm doing please get connected to me because i know god is doing amazing things
0: yes and with your permission i'm going to close out with your song after- yes
2: mm-hmm. Episode
0: <laughs> stronger. <laughs> so, thank you so much for joining us. It was all a pleasure, and I know that some mama is going to be blessed today by listening. You're awesome. All righty. Bye bye. Bye. thought I was finished. Yeah, I was gone for a minute.
1: But I do know, I wasn't done. This battle is already won, so I...